Welcome to Some Context Please, a podcast from the team here at Foundry Creative School. This podcast was originally conceived to connect Foundry students and what they are learning in the classroom to what's really happening in the industry. Whether you're an active Foundry student or simply someone who's interested, it's our hope you get an insider look into the creative industries from an industry perspective. My name is Adam Grieve and I'm your host for this season where we are delving into the world of photography. In this third episode of Eight, I'm joined by Lizzie Ulnut, an Australian photographer specialising in people, interiors, tourism and nature. Of course, I'll let Lizzie do her main introduction, but from my perspective, Lizzie's works contain a uniquely bright voice, not just evident in her personal portfolio, but in her commercial works for industry heavyweight clients. To kick off, I wanted to start talking a little about the use of colour in photography, in line with some of the things our students are currently learning. Lizzie's use of colour has really caught my eye over the years, which is why I think she is perfect for the topic. When I say use of colour, it would be more accurate to say ability to capture colour. A quick look at her portfolio or Instagram, and you'll agree her creative style really captures true colour in her subjects and compositions, bringing you to a place where you almost feel as if you're in the photo. As with my other guests so far this season, I had to catch up with Lizzie over Zoom. She lives interstate and travels a lot. Though the pandemic has slowed that down to almost a hold at times, she is a busy photographer, so arranging our time together was a little challenging. But she managed to create a spot in her schedule between a very late night finish and an early afternoon shoot. As we talked, there were a couple of audio glitches on Zoom, but it's probably a thing most of us are very used to by now. I began the session as I often do, with a bit of an introduction and insight into who Lizzie is as a photographer and what drew her to photography in the first place. Do you prefer Elizabeth or Lizzie? Well, I try, I mean, I was brought up Lizzie and Mm -hmm. I tried to be like professional, you know, Elizabeth, but trying to get an Australian to say four syllables is really hard. So I, I mean, my, my name is Elizabeth Allnut Photographer in a professional sense, but you know. I, I, there's only like three people that call me that being my parents when they're mad at me. And I'm like, Oh, how formal, you know? So. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. I might, uh, I might refer to you as Lizzie as we move through our conversation, if that's all right, <laughs> just because I've used to it and I've always called you Why that as well. So. And so what drew you into photography in the first place? So photography for me, I mean, it started when I was a kid really, mm-hmm. because back in the eighties growing up, we had Kodak Instamatic cameras And thinking back, like, you know, they only came out once a year or so, like, or, you know, birthdays, Christmas, maybe. And then the camera would go back in the cupboard. And so there was always this kind of, oh, the camera is this really exclusive thing, you know. And then after, let's say, February, the the role of 24 film would go into the chemist for the hour processing. And that was very exciting. And then you'd forget, you'd look at the pictures and go, oh, my God, I've totally forgotten. That was a, that was back then, you know, all the kids someone blowing the candles out you know and I remember for Christmas getting a Barbie camera and I was beside myself and so thinking back I was always really frugal I'd only take a few at a time you know but then I'd save my pocket money and I'd go down and um you know $7.99 at the chemist and I'd wait out the front and so I, I really loved it and then coming to school I ended up I don't know just I remember the first assignment at school it was using we had media class it was take a photograph using light. That was the assignment. Like, okay. And I took a picture of my sister in the Venetian blinds light. And it was still, to this day, it's still one of my favorite pictures. And I got A plus and I was like, hang on, 
I'm good at something. Like this is, I really like this. So after that, you know, I was in the dark room and I was doing after school courses and whatnot. And then come end of school, like honestly, back then in the 1990s, you really didn't, you just got given a list of things to tick. And I just ticked a box that I thought looked cool and then went on to study marketing because that just looked cool at the time. Then I got a full-time job and I was like, oh my God, is this life? Is this it? And burnt out and ended up going to the phone box. This is before mobile phones, going to the phone box, getting the phone book. And they also, this is at the train station. They also had a business card booth back then. And so I got some business card as Elizabeth photographer and I started calling photographers from the phone book and started doing photo shoots with a business card. It is interesting that everyone that I speak to does have that one photographic moment. So there's always that seems to be, you might've taken a few photos. It might've kind of been a hobby. You enjoyed it. You said you enjoyed the Barbie camera at first and you, but yep, you were a little frugal with how you shot those. But the first one was actually in school where you took one and you had Venetian blinds coming across um across the face of your subject um, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was kind of the image oh wait a sec I'm good at this because you got the got the feedback from the teacher tell us a little bit about that photograph how did how did it look when you said you had the Phoenician blinds and what was what was actually caught your eye and do you think made that image so good and caught your attention to be a photographer well I I'd already had a bit of practice I suppose but this was you know they gave us the old film SLRs And we had black and white film, which we developed ourselves. And so, you know, it was all grainy and um, spotted and we ended up, I just, I just, I guess when you get that buzz where you just go, I know how to do this, you know, I know it's not shadow and light. So you got all these kind of stripes and she was lying down. And I think you see those photos these days, you know, you've ever seen the silhouette of the woman with the black and white Venetian stripes on her. Like, I'm not saying it was that classy, but she was in a school uniform wearing a cowboy hat, but Um, I've still got it framed today because it was, yeah, kind of that definitive moment where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm good at this. And even when Facebook came out, like the internet started, all my school friends were like, of course you're a photographer, you know what I mean? But, yeah, like just, I mean, that was a bit of a fluke too because then I just got obsessed with it. And um, after that, not all of them came out A-plus or that good, you know, but that's what photography is. It's problem-solving and it's a lot of trial and error and practice. Lizzie mentioned a big part of photography for her is about problem solving. This is a familiar concept to me through my design background. After all, much of what we do is about finding creative solutions to a problem. But within photography, we have the added complexity of understanding camera settings and the balance between aperture, shutter speed and ISO. I wanted to explore this a little more with Lizzie to try and understand the problem solving aspect she was talking about. Well, the thing with photography is that it's very technical, but it's also very creative. So I remember doing an artwork at school and spending hours on it. And then on the last brush stroke, I'd wreck it, you know, and photography can just take another one. And you don't have to be frugal these days. You've got digital, right? And if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me that, how do I take a good photo without really wanting to learn the process of the shutter speed, the aperture and the ISO, you do have to learn that. Um, So it's very technical, but it's also people sort of go, oh, what a great photo. And you look at the the styling, the colours, the composition. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to the lighting. And if you practise with different light, I reckon it takes about five years to just really be good at it then yeah you're you're the mood basically a good photo is about evoking emotion 
So you can have, like you said, those people that they're really techie and they're talking acronyms. I'm not one of those people. Like, you know, oh, you see the X tie 1.4 is out and you're like, I don't even try and be cool anymore. I just think that the best camera you have is the one in your pocket because if you're practicing and you are, you know, finding your passion and trying different things, like do I like street photography? Like you might go down and find lines in a building that's really interesting to you or you're a foodie and, you know, you like to... um, take your lunch photo or whatever then you can start adding to you know getting all the gear and whatnot and if you go and sort of want to take amazing pictures and buy all this expensive equipment I can guarantee you you'll be overwhelmed you can sort of dabble and go like oh I just want to see what I first of all what what sort of genre I like like and then you know do I do I have that spark or that passion to keep pursuing it and you know it might be a hobby and I say to to some people sometimes it's better to keep it that way you know you just mentioned um about genres and and fitting into genres probably in a professional sense you don't necessarily always fit yourself into a genre because clients have like wide and varied um type of results which um, doesn't necessarily bring you into a genre that said um one of the things that I love about your photography, it seems to bring out a, a certain style that you have, a certain eye, I think, that um, is a little bit unique to a lot of photographers. But um, if you were to fit yourself into either a style or a genre or a way of looking things, could you do that? Or, you know, is there a specific way that you do something um, or a genre that you like to shoot? Or if you are shooting professionally, do you actually take the type of photos that you want to take so then you only take on those clients or do you take on all clients? doesn't matter what genre they are. That's it. So that's a good question because after you've kind of dabbled and then started to go from a hobby to what we call a pro enthusiast where you've kind of got some skills now, you're getting a bit of cash coming in and then you go, well, you know, what, what do I want to shoot? And you, you do, if you're a foodie and you love food, you might sort of then start knocking on the door of um, some food photographers and assisting them and learning, say, I, I would be called a commercial photographer, I suppose. Like I get paid to shoot things on a, on brand to sell stuff, but then I also shoot interiors. Like I started on photography on the block and that was a hard, every genre is different. Every industry is different. And, and it's not like a portrait is a very people chatty thing you've got to get them relaxed and whatnot interiors took me ages to learn like surprisingly long time and even still there's a lot to learn I diversified so they do say you've got to sort of pigeonhole yourself and if you're going to be a wedding photographer that's it but you've got to be prepared to give up your weekend say but you might love I mean I've shot weddings and it's so the love and on the day it's so, so photography is very interesting because you're going to all different companies and meeting all these different people I did so then I sort of I don't know I just fell into food like someone I just started shooting for Nestle and all of a sudden so then I had to learn as I go and that's the thing you've got to deep end yourself you've got to like I used to not sleep the night before I'd be that nervous because I really you know I do as much practice and research as I could but it's only now that I'm like well I can shoot interiors I can shoot food and now I'm sort of doing more travel and tourism which means I can shoot hotels and their restaurants you know so the more value you the more you practice and learn different industries and um, different skills they are so different like fundamentally all the technicalities of you know letting light into a camera are the same but once you have got the problem solving down you can sort of adjust that to each industry so yeah I would I do I would say I'm a portrait photographer really because I like talking and I like people but um yeah I do a bit of a bit of everything and even now 20 years on I'm only just sort of figuring out what I really want to do you know it's the process 
Mm. Yeah, right. I also wanted to talk to you about colour because, as I said, I admire your photography and one of the things that has caught my eye is your wonderful use of colour. We have, have actually worked on one project together, which was a resort in Vanuatu. I was doing the website of things, as most of my listeners know, my background is web um, and graphic mm-hmm. design. You were shooting, you did a, a project where you, you shot around the resort. And one of the things you said to me, because I remember our client at that time turned to you and said, it was a cloudy day, can you just colour in the sky blue? And you turned <laughs> to them and said, well, I can't because you don't just colour it in. I can only capture what I can capture in the camera. So when we're talking about colour, that did strike me as not everything can be done in post-production. Like, you know, the aim is to really try and capture the best shot. Well, my opinion is to try and capture the best shot at the time in the device that you've got. Um, So what is the importance to you of of doing that? Do you do a lot of um, post-production sort of additions or do you really try and capture in camera? There's a rule with with professional photography where you always try and nail it in the camera. Now, obviously, I mean, if I had a dollar, I mean, if I I could make meme after meme of like the funny things clients say, you know, because I do think you're you're a magician and I'm sure you can relate. Um, And you actually did change the colour of the water if that's not my skill set. So I can do, I can do skin touching, retouching. um, But, you know, we, we actually were there for 10 days and it was not sunny. The water was choppy and that's not selling the tropical lagoon you know glass water with the azure blue sky and there was one morning where it was and I just ran for the clappers I'm like get in the water now and we got that still shot but that was the only day and yeah you you, you're not a magician um people are like you know can you change my face and I'm like well I kind of can it's a funny thing because people expect it's, it's a, how do I put this? Like it's a, ner- a bit nerve wracking because of the expectations. So they, especially with portraiture, if they think, oh, she'll, she's taken some, there's a lot of pressure. Like, oh, I love that picture you took. Can you make me look like that? I guess it's like a hairdresser, isn't it? Where they, they come in yeah. with the picture. I, can, I get that now. So there are tricks, you know, there are tricks that you can do with lighting to make someone look slimmer. Um, and that's part of the experience as you go is that you just, you know, you just fall back on those tricks and, yeah, it, you've got to sort of manage their expectations, really be really honest and say, listen, the camera doesn't actually lie. And that's a fact. It is what it is. If it's cloudy and the water's choppy, there's nothing I can do about it. You mentioned also just in that, that um, there was that one day where it just sort of shaped up in that morning and you were able yeah. to run out. It was sunny. It was still, the water seemed to be the right colour. Azure, I think you said, um, was a good description. No, so you what painted you- it Azure. Yeah, exactly. So obviously Azure paints a picture in our mind and emotionally connects us with something tropical and something bright and probably warm, but, you know, also Azure can be seen as a cool colour. Are there any other examples that you might have shot recently maybe where um, you've used a colour to sort of bring out an emotion in some of your photography? Do you know what? It's something that I think I haven't actively, I mean, I'm kind of aware of the colour wheel and what's complementary, you know, how something can be distracting, whereas something else can be complimentary and it's through trial and error I've never actually gone right we are focusing on red however it's through practice that like for example the other day I did a photo and the background came up very blue and it looked very clinical looked like they were at the airport and I went oh my god the whole feeling has changed the whole feeling 
And so you kind of, because also the camera will pick it up much differently to what your eye sees depending on the light. But I will say color temperature in the camera, that is a game changer. If there's one thing I say to people that are practicing photography, go to the, your settings. They'll usually be like a little sun or a little house with the shade lines or whatever. And just, just adjust that because that will change the mood of the photo mm. tenfold. And when I've been teaching people, they come back to me and they go, oh, my God. Because it then, see, what you've got to do is connect a concept instantly. So when someone looks at it and they go, oh, oh, my God, look at that. Look at that azure water. I want to go there. You know, which is why the client was like, you have to get that shot. And I'm like, oh, God, I, I can't make the sun come out, you know. But we got it. And that was the hero shot, you know. So it's just being an opportunist or thinking about your colour temperature, you, you, if you practice it, like a, you got the little fluoro tube, put it on that and then shoot with an actual light bulb and it goes all green. If you put it on the sun and you go inside, it goes all blue. And then you sort of learn that when you do get it right and put it on the right setting, the feeling is different. So what you want to get is something that makes people click, like they look at the picture and they want to click on or they want to read on. And that's what a photographer should be doing is evoking an emotion. And little things like colour temperature, it's a game changer. Like the, it can be a bad photo, but the mood and the colour is imperative. Yeah. It's obvious how important it is to try and capture colour in its truest way in camera to minimise touch-ups later down the track. You may have noted I danced around the fact that I'd added colour to one of Lizzie's images, which I remember at the time I wasn't overly happy about. But it was really important to the client that people saw the azure blue water because that was what was going to attract them to the resort. The colour was simply a must-have to evoke the required emotion from the viewer even if it couldn't quite be caught in camera on the day. Lizzie also touched on the fact that she doesn't remember specifically setting out at the beginning of a shoot with a predetermined colour scheme in mind to evoke a particular emotional response. I wondered if this was a result of her being a commercial photographer as opposed to, say, someone who specialises in conceptual artistic shots. Is it now, after years of practice, that she doesn't see colour in a theoretical way but automatically knows the mood and feeling required by the subject matter in front of her? This might also be why the game-changing temperature setting Lizzie mentioned is so important. Also referred to as white balance, we know that colours can evoke specific emotions and moods. However, the temperature of an image can affect your composition overall. What we may have considered being a warm sunny day through the lens, for example, could come out with a bluer tinge across it than expected if you have your white balance set incorrectly. This would result in your warm sunny day evoking a much cooler mood, even if it was 35 degrees. We continued our conversation down this path. It, with, with, when you start working with clients, you've got to remember they're booking you for what your style is, but then you've got to ask a lot of questions and get kind of a brief. And, I mean, obviously a tropical island, it's, it's straightforward. You want it to look chill, relaxing. You want it to be like, you know, you want every Instagrammer to go there. You want that big flower in the hair. And so I would like a lot of going out and just point and shoot and sort of developing your style. Then you sort of start to, there's a lot going on behind the scenes when people go, that's a great photo. And you're like, yeah, I worked for ages on, on that. Like thinking of the concept, thinking of the composition, like we've got foreground, middle ground, background. So will that, will that picture be, will they look at it and then sort of let their eye lead into it and look, look more you know, what are they wearing? Like, even if it's a bright yellow dress sitting in a hammock, 
you know, and they're really cute, but then you might go, you might get the model and that dress does not work. So you've got to think on the fly too. You've got to be like, okay, change your outfit. You know, you, you can have all these concepts in your head. And that's why I always say, can you bring some options? So bring all the different colors you get. And I often say, this is my personal thing, but don't bring bright patterns and logos and stuff. Like I keep it very block color. That's my style. Um, and developing, you touched on that, developing your style will evolve because, you know, you, you won't have it at first, but it will it will develop and you might work at it. So my style is, you know, keeping it simple, I guess, and clean, um, removing distractions from the image and, you know, getting the model comfortable and then in the right. So girls will turn up, I'm not kidding, with two massive suitcases full of options, you know, and I'm talking their size of a fridge. They've got that <laughs> many things and you're like great so then you just play around it is honestly like playing dress-ups and I can't believe I get paid to play dress-ups you know what I mean um but guys will usually come with a t-shirt and a shirt you know and you're like yeah, shit yeah, yeah. um <laughs> well, and I, like it every happens day. every time I'm like oh my god did you bring anything else and they're like well you said options there's two options <laughs> yeah um so it is, you know, you might and that's why when you get to a point you're like god I just need to focus on the light and you get a stylist and they do all that and you collaborate with them. Um, and that also doesn't work too because, you know, you've got different ideas of what, you know, you try and keep on brief or whatever. But so, yeah, I reckon with colour, you just practice and you sort of see like a beautiful white on a white sandy beach will say, come to Club Med, you know. I know if you research it, like red makes you angry, yellow makes you happy. I remember being at high, um, yeah, high school and we had pink windows, like pink windows, and there was this big thing about it because they're like, children can't, children can't concentrate with pink. And I'm like, I remember going, what? And there was this whole thing about colour and children and I'm like, okay, so it's a thing. But I just, um, I just go with the basic, like, oh, we're in a green forest. Well, I'm going to put you in red so you stand out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Um, You're creating that contrast straight away, yeah. And then, you, and then you also might adjust the lighting. Let's say, okay, we're, we're selling Club Med. So it's a white tropical beach. We pray for sun. And you might have a weather day where you, you, you on hold until it's sunny. But then you put them in white. So you might overexpose a bit. So you might make it extra bright and white. And then that feeling of the sun bursting from behind them and the hairs flicking at the same time. And you're like, got it. So it's a, a number of things. You know, if they're wearing white, you might go with all white with the exposure and the towel and the hammock or whatever. I do think about what colors we're shooting. If I'm talking with a stylist, we'll definitely, definitely talk colors and complementary colors and how to balance the, the look overall and, and whatnot. Um, but as I, as I was starting out, it was just winging it. Ah, stylists, that's an important point. Quite often on commercial shoots, you'll need to collaborate with the client's team who could have a lot of preconceived ideas as to what they want the shoot to look like too especially around colour schemes and moods they want to reflect, and your job is to capture that for them. It's also interesting to note that Lizzie likes models and clients to bring plenty of options, meaning different colours and styles of clothing so she can use the most appropriate for the conditions around them at the time to evoke the emotion required of the shoot. It's quite evident talking to Lizzie she knows her stuff, though the theories we strive to learn at the beginning simply become second nature and just part of how you see things, often without thinking. Next time, on Some Context Please, we continue our conversation with Lizzie where we delve more into colour with the addition of light, the properties and quality of light, as well as modifying light. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.
Some Context Please is produced by Foundry and executive produced by me, Adam Grieve. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can find Foundry on Instagram at myfoundrylife. Foundry is an Australian creative school designed to bridge the gap between education and industry. We work with top creative leaders from all creative discipline to design courses that help you find your passion and turn it into your career. To find out more about Foundry's current courses and upcoming intakes, visit foundry.com.au.